you know, the most of the benefit in terms of animal performance that you could get from mixed wards is coming in the post-weaning period where the lambs were performing significantly better um, in the post-weaning period uh, compared to that when they were grazing a grass-only sward. So to get the most out of that, I suppose you can use that information to your benefit. So to prioritise perhaps an area that you would have in a mixed species um, for uh, post-weaning lamb performance and, you know, I suppose picking off perhaps a, a batch of lambs and putting them onto that so using then having appropriate infrastructure then to use that to rotate around that area to use that to the most benefit that you can. Hello I'm Kieran Lynch and welcome to Overcast, the Chocolate Sheep Podcast. Each episode we bring latest insights, advice and technical updates for the sheep industry. In this week's episode we chat to postgraduate student Lisa McGrain about some of the factors influencing the establishment and persistency of companion herb and legume foragers in sheep's wards. Lisa explains us the impact that the different establishments have challenges around getting them re-established when it's worth, and the effect that different seed weight has on the content and persistency. As with all these seeds, post hole management has a big impact. Lisa discusses what they found by altering post-grazing sword height on these different forages on the persistency within the sword over a number of years. We finish up the episode with Lisa offering some advice to those sown this year for the first time to target it towards finishing lamb groups and the importance of getting that grazing infrastructure right to get the best out of the seed. We start off the episode, however, with Lisa discussing some of the work they've undertaken in the area examining the impact that these herbs and legumes have on both performance and productivity. So over the last few years, um, we have been looking into um, more diverse sward mixtures under sheep systems here in Nathan Rye. Um, I suppose by right, we don't have what's known as the, the multi-species sward, but what we do have is binary mixtures of perennial ryegrass and one other companion forage. So we have perennial ryegrass and white clover, perennial ryegrass and red clover, perennial ryegrass and plantain, or perennial ryegrass and chicory. And so I suppose um, at the outside of this project, we set up a farmlet study um, to compare those different sward types under sheep systems. And we wanted to, um, I suppose, measure uh, elements such as um, animal performance. So looking at the lamb performance um, lamb weights, daily weight gains um, and, and also the yoke performance. And then secondly, we wanted to look at the sward performance, so sward production um, and particularly the establishment and, and the persistency of those particular forages um, on, under a sheep system. Yes, a lot of this is relatively new to most of our listeners and ourselves, indeed, but it has thrown up a lot of questions about different aspects of management, as you touched on the other different establishment methods over the years. You've looked at various aspects of that in performance and both of the sword itself and of the animals on it. But I suppose one of the challenges is you've seen benefits in terms of animal performance, but one of the challenges with this is to keep it persistent in the sword. Yeah, so I think that the initial results of, of the of these studies would show that there is definite gains to, to be made in terms of animal performance. Um so the lambs on, on the trials over the four year period were finishing between sixteen and twenty-eight days ahead of those on a grass only diet. And um, there was definite definite gains to be made there. Um it didn't go without its challenges, uh, I think that's fair to say. And there are the main issues that we would have, I suppose, uh, experienced with the swords over the over the first farmlet study would have been in the areas of, of establishment of those forages and particularly persistence. So getting them uh, to last to last in the sword over time, I guess. Um, and as a result of those, we had um, wanted to look at what could we alter in our management um, in what could we alter with our management to uh, to help those forages to firstly establish and then to persist um, 
as long as possible in the sport over time. So um, we set up the, the different uh, plot trials in um, 2020 and 2019. Um, and we looked at different um, various management factors. So we looked firstly at um, establishing methods. So what method did you use to establish that sword? We looked at um, different seeding rates to use. We looked at sowing with a tetraploid or a diploid perennial ryegrass in that mixture. And then I suppose lastly, and, and perhaps most interestingly, we um, tried to vary the post-grazing sward height that we were implementing um, with the sheep grazing to see what difference would that make to um, the persistency of those forages over time. As you indicated earlier, you're looking at these companion herbs and legumes on an individual basis, not as a multi-species, but to an extent, it gives you a better grasp of how they perform during the year. If we just maybe touch firstly on the establishment methods, like what did you look at and what were your key findings? Yeah, so um, I suppose on farm, there's any amount of, of variations of reseeding methods. Um, the ones that we used here on the trials in Athenry, we used a conventional, which was like a full plough till sow. Um, we used disc harrow, um, which is disc harrow and parrow harrowed and sown. We used parrow harrow only and sown. And then we used the direct drill method. So um, with no cultivation or stitch system. Um, and so for us, I suppose the four different methods that we chose just show a varying level of cultivation of, of, the, of the soil, I guess. Um, so the results of that, um, we saw that there was no difference in the amount of white clover, red clover or chicory that was establishing and persisting in those swords, um, irrespective of the method that was used, which is quite positive. You can use, you know, all of the forages they established quite well under all of the methods that we used. And so that gives the farmer choice as to what's available um, on their system, what uh, machinery they might have themselves or locally. And um, we did see a small difference in plantain content. So we did see that there was um 6.8% higher plantain content in the swards uh, over time if they were sown by the direct drill method than when they were sown by the conventional method. So I guess that's quite um, as positive as well. It shows that uh, the plantain uh, was, was very suitable to be sown by that direct drill method, um, which would have environmental benefits. And, you know, you wouldn't have to have a full cultivation of the sward and you could still establish those forages uh, successfully. Once you were getting good soil seed contact, it was sufficient in any of the methods then? Yeah, so as long as those methods, I suppose, were carried out correctly um, and get, getting good seed contact, yeah, we were getting a successful establishment of all the forages. I suppose he's just put this in context of it. The swords that you were trying to establish, I mean, the prep on them before, and they were all spread off prior to you going in with them. Yeah, so um, on, on this trial, yeah, they were all sprayed off uh, completely uh, before we used any of those methods. Um, I suppose in terms of establishment or reseeding advice, I suppose the same advice um, for reseeding, say, a mixed species or multi-species mixture applies as it would do if you were trying to establish a grass-only um, a mixture. You know, you have to choose, um, I suppose, your site correctly and um, trying to establish these um, mixtures in um, a site which has prone to a lot of weed problems you know wouldn't be sufficient because these um, sward types particularly the herbs you can't use a post-emergent spray you can't your, your weed control is very limited after the establishment so it's very important if you were to uh, be thinking of uh, reseeding with a multi-species mixture to be choosing a site which which uh, doesn't have, you know, a large weed problem or um, and I suppose tackling trying to tackle that weed problem um, prior to establishment of these swords. 
the same advice then would also be there for in terms of soil fertility and, and pH. So you would need to be trying to address any issues, getting a soil test done and address any issues in pH or, or you know, um, soil fertility um, prior to establishment of these forests, same as you would with a grass only. Look, just in terms of the establishment, before I move off it, we did mention that they said this persistency can be an issue. You've looked at now over a number of years. Just let's maybe put that a little bit in context. How long are some of these lasting in the sward? And is it possible to go back in afterwards and try and re-establish some of them? Yeah, so um, I suppose we, with the way that we have done it uh, separately, it show you know it allows us to see what the what each of the forages will do individually. Um, we've seen varied persistence. So um, I suppose that the perhaps the red clover and the chicory are the least persistent of those that we have um uh, investigated here. You're getting perhaps two to four years um out of those uh, forages, depending on your management. I suppose um your plantain might last a little bit longer, uh, and your white clover then. Can, I suppose you, with, with correct management, that can persist for a good number of years in your sward. Um, so at the moment, um, I suppose we were looking at uh, establishing uh, these uh, swards from the outset. But yeah, it does come into question as to, for example, if you were to plant the, um, a multi-species sward and after two to four years, some of the elements are dropping out, the options um, to try and perhaps oversow um, some of these elements back into the sward. So um, the, we have done some a small part, a bit of work on trying to oversow particularly plantain into the swards. Um, and I suppose to be honest, the results have been um, been mixed, but it definitely is a, an area which we need to do some more research into in the future to try and, um, I suppose, get proper management advice as to what will work to try and oversell these uh, mixed war types without having to go back to do a full reseed again. I suppose the challenge we always face in sheep swords, Lisa, is that sword density is always going to be an issue. Maybe our dairy counterparts might have a little bit more success with trying to get them reestablished. Yeah, so sheep's wards are are very dense in nature and then they always will be. Um, and that, that can uh, be quite challenging then to try and uh, oversow or re-establish um, the likes of the clovers or the herbs back into a sward, which is very dense. Um, I suppose um, the, any work that we have done on that type of oversowing, um, you know, I suppose it's very important to try and get a good seed content, uh, seed soil contact, sorry, to... Um, to try and give those uh, elements, those forages you're trying to re-establish the best chance at establishment. Um, and then going forward, I suppose the same advice that would be there for the likes of trying to um, oversow clo- white clover into a grass sward um, to try and, I suppose, keep down the grass covers to allow light um, down to the base of the sward to help um, the establishment um, and, and the growth of, of those forages that you're trying to re-establish. It's something challenging, certainly worth looking at a bit more over the coming years. Lisa, you mentioned also about the impact seeding rate can have and what type of uh, ray grass you go, what does diploid or tetraploid. Just talk to me a little bit more about that. Yeah, so um, we tried out um, varying seeding rates with the various mixtures um, in a plot trial here in Athen Wright. Um, in this plot trial, what we did was we used um, a total seeding rate of 25 kilos per hectare in, in all of the plots. And then within that 25 kilos, we varied how much of that 25 kilos was made up of clover or herb seed, um, depending on the sward mixture. Um, so for the clover treatments, we uh, we used two and a half 
five or seven and a half kilos of clover per hectare to make up the low, medium and high seeding rates. Um, and then for the herbs, we were including either two, 3.5 or five kilos of herbs per hectare in those mixtures. Um, and I suppose what we saw uh, over time was that um, the white clover was, again, as it has been in all of the plot trials, very resilient. So um, at that high seeding rate of 2.5 kilos of clover per hectare, there was no added benefit of going to the medium, the five kilos per hectare or the high seven and a half kilos per hectare. You were getting similar levels of white clover. Um, what's important to say, I suppose, that, you know, you still do need to be aware of how much white clover seed is in the mixture that you're buying, um, as some of the commercial seed mixes that might be available would have lower levels of white clover than that, than that included in the mixture. So that would be the equivalent. Um, if you're working in per acres, I suppose we were seeding at a total seeding rate of about 10 kilos um, of seed per acre, um, including clover at a rate of one kilo, two kilos or three kilos per acre and including herbs at a rate of 0.8, 1.4 or 2 kilos of herbs per acre. So it had a major impact on the clover, and I suppose that 1 kilo rate would be more or less standard in a lot of the better grass mixes that are going in. What about on the herbs side, though? Yeah, so for uh, the inclusion of red clover and plantain, we did see that there was a benefit of moving from the low seeding rate to the medium seeding rate to the high seeding rate. So that would show that there was a benefit in using that high uh, high inclusion of either red clover or plantain in that mixture. Um, for the inclusion of chicory, then we saw increases in, in chicory content when we moved from the low to the medium, but there was no um, no real additional benefit of moving to that high seeding rate for the uh, perennial ryegrass and chicory sward type. So uh, the medium seeding rate that we used there um, was sufficient to establish chicory in that sward. So they just got a better chance of establishing with that slightly higher seeding rate. Yeah, so I suppose they, they were, I suppose, something to do with it, taking advantage of, of that uh, additional seeding rate in that mixture, yeah. Okay. Now, you also mentioned the type of ryegrass pudding, whether it's diploid or tetraploid. Had that any impact? Yeah, so um, we tried out uh, seeding these mixtures with uh, including either a tetraploid or a diploid perennial ryegrass um, into, in the mixture. Um, I suppose for that, I uh, had came from or what the, the background to the thought behind that uh, trial was that the tetraploid perennial ryegrasses, they're um, a more erect plant and there's more, uh, I suppose they're less dense at the base. And, and as a result, there is more soil. If you were to look into a tetraploid uh, uh, sward, you would see more soil in, in that mixture, uh, the, in that sward than if it was a diploid, which is a more dense uh, type of um, sward. So the thought was that if you used a tetraploid um, perennial ryegrass, would that allow that bit more um, soil availability or I suppose um, space at the base of the sward to allow the clovers and herbs to establish? Um, I suppose one thing that has been interesting going back to the, the point that you raised about the density of sheep swards is that even even with using a tetraploid sward, uh, tetraploid perennial ryegrass in a sheep sward it's still very dense in comparison perhaps to cattle swards in that the I suppose the results that we saw from that you know we did see a little bit of benefit um in terms of white clover uh, content and plantain content when you use the tetraploid there was a little bit more um white clover establishment establishment and plantain establishment when you use a tetraploid but we saw that it didn't really make um, much difference when you were talking about red clover or chicory so again, I suppose um, 
as I suppose as, as across all the plot studies that we have we have carried out here, we see that each of the sword types are, do behave slightly differently to one another. So uh, I suppose it comes into question then what what would you sh- what should you do? What's the optimum across the board to use if you were using um, a multi species sword where all those elements were together? Okay, so look, uh, the important thing to say there, I suppose, too, is whatever variety we pick, it has to be a good variety because if we aren't trying to get any of these back in again, that's what you're going to be left with after a couple of years. Yeah, so variety selection is is crucial um, when you're looking at a, a multi-species mixture, the same as if you were putting in um, a ryegrass-only sword. You know, it's very important to choose um, an appropriate variety for um, I suppose for your system, for your sword ty- soil type, sorry, um, and also, yeah, so it's very important. So, for example, if you um, are using a multi-species sword mixture and you accept that some elements of that sword will will um, will not persist and you know and won't won't survive long term it's important that you choose um appropriate varieties and good varieties from the recommended lists in terms of particularly your your perennial ryegrass in that's in that mixture and your white clovers in that mixture so that if the other elements do not persist over time that you're left with a good grass clover sward um in the long run so we can get the established methods correct we get a good sward established our grazing management afterwards can have a big impact on how well a received performs. You've looked at a lot of different aspects of this, different pre-grazing and post-grazing sword heights. I suppose in terms of the companion forages, it, it was perceived that it might be slightly different in terms of our post-grazing management. What have you looked at and what have you seen? Yeah, so that has been a particularly interesting trial. So the trial that we um, carried out, the plot trial, under, again, under the same sward mixtures, um, we varied the post-grazing sward height. So we had three different post-grazing sward heights. They were set to four centimetres, 4.75 centimetres and five and a half centimetres. And, and we followed that over a three-year period. And I suppose that's a more longer-term trend. So, so I suppose the results really come at the end of that study. So in the third year, so those swords were sown in, um, I think, July 2019. And then we measured them for three full production years after that. So 2020, 21 and 22. And if we look at the what's the forage contents, the content of clovers and herbs left in those swords by the third year, so in 2022, we saw that there were similar levels of white clover left in those swords um, across the board. So post-grazing sward height wasn't having a very a significant impact on white clover content in the swords. It was very different, however, then when you went to look at the likes of red clover. So, for example, there, the red clover, there was very little uh, red clover uh, remaining in those swords in year three when it was grazed to four centimetres. So it really didn't suit the severe or intense uh, intensive um, grazing management. It uh, persisted a lot better in the in the medium, 4.75 centimetres. There was uh, significantly more red clover left in that sward in year three when it was grazed to that medium um, uh, severity. And then uh, there was slightly less than when it was grazed to the 5.5 centimetres. So um, it seemed that it was most suitable at, at the medium um, post-grazing sward height of 4.75 centimetres. Um, I suppose what was the most interesting f- for me anyway was the the inclusions of the clovers, uh, sorry, the herbs, the plantain and the chicory. So there has been, I suppose, a, a thought process or a school of thought that the um, implementing a higher post-grazing height would, I suppose, help the persistency of the herbs um, and allow them to you know, persist a bit better. Um, but 
that's not exactly what we saw in this study. So there was actually less uh, plantain and chicory in those swords into year three under the 5.5 centimetres. So the, the lax grazing treatment uh, relative to the four centimetres and the 4.75 centimetres. Um, and I guess it comes into question as to why. So also it's important to notice that in these plot trials that we were um carrying out here to to vary the post grazing sword height they they were in a very small area and so the um the rotation or the, I suppose the duration that they're in that sword grazing was it was very short in comparison to what it would be in a commercial you know rotational grazing system so i guess it comes into question whether the uh the length of time that they're grazing um was having an, an impact then instead of the post-grazing sward height. And, and even in our larger system study, a residency period in them products, relative to maybe what we see on commercial farms, was short. So yeah, maybe potentially that could have an impact. Yeah, so I guess it, it definitely does uh, illustrate that the post-grazing height does have an effect um, on the persistency of those um, those sward types, those forages over time. But there's there's a lot more at play than just the, the, just the post-grazing sward height. So, so I suppose I think the key line of the accession, maybe the white clover, very tight grazing as post grazing to fortune, which what we see in the early part of the season is not maybe ideal for some of the other herbs or the red clover, but neither is lax grazing. Yeah, so I suppose it was very evident that the, the, the severe grazing did not suit the red red clover particularly. Um, I suppose if you were to look across the board, the, the intermediate post-grazing height was probably the best across the board um, for the different forages. Um, and then the lax one perhaps wasn't as suitable as might have been expected. So um, I suppose... From carrying out that trial, what you would notice is that you, if you keep grazing to that uh, lax post-grazing height of 5.5 centimetres, um, when it gets you know into the middle of the season, you do get a build-up of, of dead material um, in the sward and perhaps that's having some effect, um, perhaps shading out the, the light available to those herbs or um, I suppose... I can't answer all the questions in one plot trial, but it definitely was very interesting and and uh, hopefully more work will be carried out in that area in the future. And again, you're going to, you're going to compromise sword quality if you let go. Just look in terms of the pre-grazing height, imagine you're not letting covers get too high given it's a sheet sword. You might just give us a bit of an idea of what covers you're going in at. Yeah, so for this trial, we just had a standard. Um, we were going in at about uh, 12 to 1500 kilos of dry matter per hectare um, across all across the board. Yeah. Kept it consistent. So Lisa, just for anyone that's maybe considering putting this in, having the infrastructure in place, you know, having the ability to subdivide an area if you're going to put it in is important. And I suppose, secondly, for a performance point of view too, you'd ideally like to keep a finishing batch of lambs maybe on the sward in the first year. Yeah, so it's obviously very important to have, uh, you know, your appropriate infrastructure around that reseed to get the most benefit that you can out of out of your investment. Of investment. So um, I suppose from the animal trials, we would have seen that, you know, the most of the benefit in terms of animal performance that you could get from mixed wards is coming in the post weaning period. Um where the lambs were performing significantly better um, in the post weaning period uh, compared to that when they were grazing a grass only sword. So I um, I suppose to get the most out of that, I suppose you can use that information to your benefit. So um, to prioritise perhaps an area that you would have in a mixed species um, for a post-weaning post lamb performance. And, you know, I suppose picking off uh, perhaps a, a batch of lambs and putting them onto that. So using then having appropriate infrastructure then to use that to rotate around that area, to use that um, to the most benefit that you can. 
Just talking accordingly, no way it would make sense. Lisa, look, it was great getting that update from you today. It's certainly something of interest. It's good having you on. Thanks very much, Kieran. We leave it there for this week's episode. Lisa's covered a lot of different aspects that have an impact on the success of that sport when you're establishing it and the importance of the management afterwards. I have included a link in the description to a presentation Lisa gave this year's National Sheep Conference where she goes through some of the impact that that has on performance and more detail about the productivity of those swords. It's well worth a watch back. That's it for me for this episode. Again, for updates on the Sheep Programme, keep an eye on our Twitter page at Chalker Sheep. I'm Kieran Lynch. Thanks for joining us. Don't forget to subscribe and follow us for more episodes.